the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. Again, you've got what the enemy says, but then you have what God says. And it's important for us to listen to what God says and not listen to what the enemy says. It's important for us to believe God's words, not the enemy's words. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says that we are to take every thought captive and make them obedient to Christ. We should make our thoughts obey Christ. Have you ever been really excited for something, only to grow more doubtful or anxious the closer you got to its arrival? Whether it's a missions trip, a challenging endeavor, or maybe a competition, we sometimes give in to the seeds of doubt and fear that our enemy sows regularly. However, as Pastor Dan will teach you in his message today, we as believers are to take every thought captive. In his study, you'll learn that by heeding the words of Scripture over the ones of our enemy, you'll be sure to succeed in all that the Lord would have you do. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. In chapter 6, uh, the last time we were together on a Thursday night, uh, Isaiah had this vision of the Lord seated on his throne. And remember, it was in the year that King Uzziah died, and King Uzziah was a, was a good king. He was a godly king. He reigned for over 50 years. And when he died, Isaiah had this vision of God on his throne in heaven, ruling and reigning. And then chapter 7 begins, Now it came to pass... In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah. So Ahaz was the grandson of King Uzziah. And so the book of Isaiah does not go in chronological order. Uh, It jumps around. So in chapter 6, we were talking about King Uzziah, and now King Ahaz, his his grandson. In chapter 7 deals, and chapter 8, and into chapter 9, it deals with uh, King Uzziah. Ahaz. So we're going to be looking at uh, King Ahaz tonight, and I want to start by going back to 2 Chronicles 28 uh, to see what the Lord says about King Ahaz. So if you want to turn back to 2 Chronicles 28, verse 1 of 2 Chronicles 28, it says, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, as his father David had done. David is always the standard for the kings. And we're told here that Ahaz did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel 
and made molded images for the Baals. It says he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Remember at this time, the nation of Israel is divided into two kingdoms. They've had a civil war. They've split. And there's the northern kingdom of Israel, and there's the southern kingdom of Judah. Ahaz is king over the southern kingdom of Judah, but he's compared to all the kings of Israel, of the northern kingdom. All the kings of Israel were wicked kings. And so when it says that he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, it's saying he was just like the kings of the northern kingdom of Israel, meaning he was wicked. He did not do what was right in God's eyes. And it goes on to tell us now some of his wickedness. It says that he made molded images for the Baals. He made idols. Verse 3 says he burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom, the valley of Hinnom. Uh, He burned his children in the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out of the promised land before the children of Israel. There he burned incense in the valley of Hinnom. He also, it says, he burned his children there in the fire. Uh, This is a reference to the worship of the pagan god Molech. And Molech was worshipped, one way he was worshipped is they would create these little statues of Molech made out of iron. And then they would put the statue into fire and heat it up until it was red hot. And then they would place one of their infant children on the arms of Molech and offer their children as a sacrifice to Molech. And that's what's referred to here when it says he burned his children in the fire. He sacrificed his children to the god Molech. And he did this in the valley of Hinnom, which is just, out, is just outside of Jerusalem. The New Testament, it's the valley of Gehenna. In Jeremiah, the Lord refers to it as the valley of slaughter because so many children were sacrificed there. To Molech. And so he sacrificed his children to these pagan gods. If you look down in verse 22, it says, Now in, in the time of his distress, and we'll talk about that a little bit later tonight, King Ahaz became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. That, that, this is that King Ahaz, <laughs> in case you're confused. It says, For he sacrificed to the gods of Damascus, which had defeated him saying, because the gods of the kings of Syria helped them, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. Look what it says, but they were the ruin of him and of all of Israel. They they brought ruin upon Israel, all of this idolatry, the worship of other gods. Verse 24, so Ahaz gathered the articles of the house of God. He cut them in pieces, the articles of the house of God. He shut up the doors of the house of the Lord of the temple, and he made for himself altars in every corner of Jerusalem. So he actually closed the temple so that you could no longer worship Yahweh, Jehovah. Uh, Second Kings uh, 16, I think it is, also tells us uh, that he made a copy of the altar of the gods that were in Damascus, and he placed a replica of the altar in the court of the temple in Jerusalem, and he had the people that were coming to worship Yahweh, he had them worship on this pagan altar instead. And so he perverted the worship of the Lord by bringing in pagan worship into the temple. It says uh, in verse 25, in every single city of Judah, 
he made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoked to anger the Lord God of his fathers. And so he was a very wicked king. Uh, in fact, Ahaz was, was one of the worst kings uh, Judah ever had because of his idolatry. Uh, so now go back to Isaiah. That gives you a picture kind of of, of Ahaz. Uh, back in Isaiah chapter 7, Ahaz is king. It says in verse 1, Now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remelah, the king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but could not prevail against it. So verse 1 tells us that during the reign of Ahaz, Syria and the northern kingdom of Israel, they formed an alliance and they planned to invade Judah and attack the capital city of Jerusalem. Uh, if you're taking notes, that's described in 2 Kings chapter 16. But verse 1 tells us that their attack against Jerusalem was unsuccessful. Uh, but it, we know from uh, Chronicles and Kings uh, that Judah paid a very high price and a very high toll as a result of this invasion by Syria and the northern kingdom of Israel. Uh, we're told in Second Chronicles 28, verse 6, that 120,000 soldiers of Judah were killed and 200,000 citizens were carried away into captivity as a result of this uh, invasion. Uh, verse 2, and it was told to the house of David, to Ahaz, saying, Syria's forces are deployed in Ephraim, which is in the northern kingdom, right on the border with Judah. So his heart and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. King Ahaz receives word that Syria and Israel, they have amassed their troops in Ephraim. They've amassed their troops right on the border with Judah. They're preparing to invade the land of Judah. And so the king's heart and the hearts of all the people are shaking now like leaves on a tree. They're terrified. They're afraid. They respond to this news with fear, not faith. They respond with fear, not faith. This trial, this crisis, was an opportunity for Ahaz and the people of Judah to trust in the Lord. Just like every trial and every crisis that you face in your life, and every trial and crisis that I face in my life, it's an opportunity to trust in the Lord. It's an opportunity to trust Him. And we can respond with faith, or we can respond with fear. You know, in the New Testament... Uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There in Philippians, the Apostle Paul tells us to be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And let your requests be made known to God. And then the promise is, as you do that, the peace of God, he says, which surpasses all understanding. That means it doesn't make sense that you would have peace in that situation. It's a situation, it's circumstances that you, a normal person would freak out. Just like Ahaz and the people of Judah freak out at this news. 
But the peace of God, which passes understanding, it's beyond understanding why you have peace in this situation. It will guard your hearts and guard your mind through Christ Jesus. And really, you know, when you're going through a crisis or a trial, uh, you, you really need your mind guarded, don't you? Because your mind can just start running crazy and you're going through all the scenarios and you're thinking through how terrible this is and, and you always jump to the worst case scenario, right? You never, you never immediately think of the best possible outcome. You always think of the worst possible outcome in your mind. And what if this happens? What if this doesn't work out? And you, know, and you can drive yourself crazy. And we need the peace of God to guard our hearts and our minds. Ahaz, he, he responds to this news with fear, and all the people of Judah respond with fear. And then the Lord said to Isaiah, verse 3, Go out now to meet Ahaz, you and Shear Jashub, your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And what you start to see here beginning in verse 3 is the grace of God. And we just read the description of Ahaz, And he did not do what was right in God's eyes. He was a wicked king. He did what was an abomination in the sight of the Lord. And now that Syria and the northern kingdom are about to invade Judah, God doesn't sit back and just say, okay, now they're going to get what they've got coming to them. God actually sends his prophet to this wicked king. God is willing to intervene on behalf of Judah. It's just grace. It's the grace of God here. And he, he tells Isaiah the prophet to go meet Ahaz, and he tells him where to find him. He's, he's, he's currently at the end of the aqueduct on the highway to the fuller's field or where they wash their clothing. That's the idea. And the Lord tells Isaiah to bring his son with him, Shir Jashub. <laughs> That's his son's name. What a name, huh? Imagine growing up with that name. But his name means a remnant shall return. And Isaiah's son's name implies that Judah will be carried away into captivity because of their wickedness, but a remnant will return to the land one day. And so his, his name implies that God is going to judge Judah for their wickedness. And so verse 4, the Lord tells Isaiah what to say to King Ahaz, verse 4, and say to him, take heed, listen to me, and be quiet. You know, apparently, King Ahaz was, had a lot to say about this pending invasion. Again, you know how that is when you're in a trial, you're in a crisis, you're, you're, there's this imminent doom. You talk to everybody about it, don't you? You, just, you, don't, you don't shut up about it. Talk and talk and talk and talk and you want to talk to everybody. Apparently, Ahaz was doing that too. So he says, take heed, be quiet, and do not fear or be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Ramallah, because Syria, Ephraim, and the sons of Ramallah have plotted evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves and set a king over them, the son of Tabel. Here's, here's what happens here. The Lord sends Isaiah the prophet to King Ahaz. And the Lord tells King Ahaz, stop worrying. It's amazing to consider the difference between the reaction of Ahaz and the people of Judah and the reaction of God. 
to the very same situation. Ahaz and the people of Judah are freaking out. They're worried. This invasion is coming. Things look impossible. We're going to lose everything. But God's response to that situation is, don't worry about it. The people are freaking out and melting down. And God's response is, stop worrying. There's nothing to be afraid of. See, that's why we always need to know what God has to say. We always need to know God's perspective on our problems. Because we, we will start to freak out, we'll start to worry, well, this is the worst, this is terrible, this is devastating, we're not going to make it, this is going to be the end of us. But God says it's, it's nothing. It's nothing to worry about. It's nothing to be concerned with. You know, we, we need to see things the way that God sees them. In verse 4, the Lord says of Syria and Israel, He says they're, they're a couple of smoking firebrands. In other words, they're all smoke and no fire. They're all talk. Yeah, yeah, they're talking a good game and what they're saying is, you know, threatening, but it's nothing to worry about. In verses 5 and 6, he, he tells us exactly what Syria and Israel said. He's, they're going to go up against Judah. They're going to trouble it. They're going to bust a hole through the wall of the city of Jerusalem. They're going to kill King Ahaz, and they're going to set their own puppet king in his place That's what the enemy was saying. But verse 7 tells us what God was saying. So you have what the enemy says, and then now you have what God says. In verse 7, the Lord God says, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. God says it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. So again, you've got what the enemy says, but then you have what God says. And it's important for us to listen to what God says. And not listen to what the enemy says. It's important for us to believe God's words, not the enemy's words. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it says that we are to take every thought captive and make them obedient to Christ. We should make our thoughts obey Christ. This is what I'm thinking is going to happen. But this is what Jesus says. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here's what I think will take place. But this is what the word of God says. We have to take our thoughts captive and make them obey Christ. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness for the 40 days and he was tempted by Satan? And do you remember he answered every temptation with scripture? Everything that Satan said to him, Jesus responded by saying, no, it is written And then he would rattle off a scripture and he would quote a scripture. He used the Bible and he replaced the lies of the enemy with the truth of God's word. And that's what we've got to do whenever the enemy comes against us and starts saying things to us and trying to rattle us and freak us out and threaten us and get us, you know, shaking like leaves on a tree. No, it is written. No, this is what the Bible says. And we replace that lie from the enemy with the truth of God's word. You know, in 1 Peter, it talks about how our enemy is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Have you ever heard a lion roar? Has anybody? I've been down at the Washington Zoo before. Uh, One day in particular, we were there. The lion roared several times while we were in the zoo. And you could hear it all throughout the zoo. You know, no matter where you were, you could hear this this 
roar coming throughout the zoo. And it was powerful, just so powerful. But one of the reasons a lion roars is to terrify its prey and to paralyze its prey with fear so that it can then pounce on its prey. And our enemy goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Our enemy will say these things, whisper these things into our mind that are terrifying and paralyze us with fear. What if they come and invade? What if they knock a hole in the wall and take over the city? You know, and it paralyzes us with fear so that then he can pounce. And what we have to do is we have to replace those lies with the truth of God's words. And here for Ahaz and the people of Judah, man, they heard what their enemy was planning to do, and the whole nation is now shaking with fear. They're unsettled. They're worried. But God comes now, and God steps into this this crisis, and God says to Judah, it's never going to happen. And so now, now the people have a choice to make. And the choice is, are they going to listen to their enemy? Or are they going to listen to God? Just like you and me. We, were all, we always have a choice in every crisis, every trial. Am I going to listen to the enemy? Or am I going to listen to God? Am I going to believe what the enemy says? Or am I going to believe what the Lord says in his word? And Ahaz is told here at the end of verse 9. It says, if you do not believe... Surely you shall not be established. And God says this specifically to Ahaz. Now, whether Ahaz believes God or not is not going to change the outcome. Jerusalem will be spared because God said Jerusalem will be spared. So whether Ahaz believes God or not, it's not going to change the outcome of this attack It will be spared because God said it will be spared. But for Ahaz specifically, and for Ahaz individually, if he does not believe, he will not be established. God's sovereign is not going to change the outcome. But for Ahaz personally, whether he believes or chooses not to believe, will affect his life and his reign as king. Again, just like me. My unbelief will affect my life, just like you. Your unbelief will affect your life. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you joined us today for Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from this series, they're available to you for free at calvaryec.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. That way you will have access to each message as soon as it's made available online. That website again is calvaryec.com. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, we'd love for you to worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. Again, that phone number is 410-491-4592. 
We look forward to you joining us as our guests. And please, take a moment to introduce yourself to Pastor Dan after the service and let him know you listen to Ring of Truth. With that, our time with you has come to an end today on Ring of Truth. Join Pastor Dan next time for more from this verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of Isaiah, right here on Ring of Truth. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.